Thanks for listening to Lost and Rewound. You can check us out online at lostandrewound.com. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Time to get embarrassed with us. I had a tape recorder when I was a tween, and in retrospect, those recordings were obscene. Travel back in time with the familiar sound. Let's all get lost and rewound. Episode 22. Ticket, comma, master. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Lost and Rewound. My name is Alan. My name's Melissa. And this month, there's no Doug. We'll get to that later. But I think first, maybe, Elon, do we want to listen to a clip about some trains? Yes. In fact, I think uh, if we could give any sort of umbrella theme for this episode, it is that of train travel. We have a lot of train travel going on. What we're about to hear is actually a session that we had recently with Doug, of uh, which we covered some of my clips from my first time visiting New York City on my own. So without further ado, let's begin. There's always further ado on this show. Shut up. posed for the group. When was the first time you ever traveled to New York City? I was definitely in elementary school, at least the first time that I remember. Um, I don't remember if it was like third grade-ish or fourth grade-ish, but it was in the summer to visit my dad's sister who was actually living in Basking Ridge, New Jersey at the time. Went to spend a week with her in the summer while I was on vacation. And we would go and we would come to the city a couple times to do different stuff. Um, I visited her a few summers in a row, like And one day we would go see a show, another day we would go to a museum. Um, I think one time we did a horse ride in Central Park, and that was before we realized, like, everybody knew how awful the horse carriages in Central Park were. So yeah, I think that was my first trip to New York. I think the first time I came to New York, I saw saw cats. Yeah. Did you, when was the first time you visited New York without, like, parental chaperones or something? Was that when you moved to New York? No, it would have been, I was in college at some point, um... My freshman year of college, my mom, uh, who was already working in advertising and marketing and all that, got a job for an agency here in the city uh, and started splitting her time between Virginia and New York and was commuting back and forth. Yeah, that's crazy. So she, Yeah, so she, um, she still does a little bit. And so she had an apartment in the city, and when you're in college and your mom has an apartment in New York City that she's only in like three days a week, that's kind of an excuse to come up and party in New York City. Makes sense. Doug? I have two that I'm trying to put them in order in my head, and I think that the first time was with, uh, like, my church youth group, uh, which was Episcopal Church Youth Group. We came to the city, and we stayed at the hostel on the Upper West Side on, like, 103rd, Um, and I did not understand where we were. I thought we were in Spanish Harlem, which I think was based solely on having heard some Spanish music coming out of somewhere. <laughs> um, I did not understand where we were at all. And I, we, I, we went to the Seinfeld Diner. Wait, where is the Seinfeld Diner? Again? It's in Morningside Heights. It's in Morningside Heights. And I'm pretty sure we walked there. So I don't, how I didn't, un- 
I don't know how those two things came together in my brain. We definitely went to the World Trade Center and uh, other touristy things. I think probably went up the Empire State Building, but I can't remember. So you guys covered a lot of ground. Yeah, I think we were here for four-ish days. We also went to Montreal, and the two trips run together in my head. Uh, That's still a lot to do in four days. Like Oh, for sure. You know, like The Statue of Liberty itself can, is half a day. Even now. We may have done that as well. Yeah, like, or like the Empire State Building, although I'm guessing if it was one of those like school or church trips, you were in the Empire State Building line at 7.30 in the morning, so you could be the first ones there. I don't remember, but... I'm probably something like that. I think there was probably also some soup kitchen work involved yeah. at some point. But yeah, uh, hostile. When was the first time you went non-chaperoned or like at least without teachers or parents? Uh, I don't know, probably to your birthday or something. No. <laughs> I mean, probably. Well, you were going to college a little bit, obviously, for shows, no? No, I don't think I ever went to this. I don't think I ever came to New York for until shows. after college. Really? Um, or no, wait, no, 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 I take that back. Um, the first time I came, not by myself, but without uh, someone watching me, basically, was uh, me and Alana and I have a buddy, Sill, who went to college with us and did radio with us. He and I came to the city because I won, uh, a, like, a DJ battle by default. <laughs> by default? Yeah. I don't remember this. Was, I, mean, I remember you winning this, but I didn't realize it was by default. Yeah, it was You like, and still both won? No, no, no. I won, won and I got to bring a friend. I see. Still wasn't there. It was, uh, it was a Guitar Center DJ battle that was sponsored by a radio station, uh, 93.9 in D.C., but they had promoted it wrong, so the promoted date was not the actual date of the battle. Oh. So, there was no one there. Coincidentally, there was a drummer battle that was happening the same day. And my buddy Bear, who was a gospel drummer, was there for that. And I was somewhere else driving. And either he called me or he called someone else who called me. And they said, hey, there's this battle. The prize is like 500 bucks. And if you show up and do a routine, you win. Because there's no one else here. And I was like, well, shit, what could I do? And I don't think they even cared if I did the routine, but I showed up and did it. Mm -hmm. So I won. And the prize was I got to open their, the radio station's tent at some festival thing at RFK Stadium. Which was a gift and a curse, because the crowd did not give a shit about what I was doing. They probably wanted a higher skill level DJ to do this, so I kind of got pushed aside. But the awesome part was the other rest of the prize was a trip to New York City. Uh, not all expenses paid, but you got a $500 per diem. They put us up at a hotel in Times Square, and they paid for Syl and I to travel from D.C. to New York and stay at this hotel and go to a day's worth of classes at the Scratch DJ Academy. I remember, yeah. Um, and, like, the... Teachers were Lovebug, Starsky, and Grandmaster Kaz, which was fucking awesome. Yeah. And they were cool as shit. Literally the pioneers, essentially. Yeah, basically. The entire genre. Yeah, you couldn't... I'd be hard-pressed to find more legit hip-hop DJs to learn from. Um, So it was just pretty cool to meet them in general. But yeah, it was the first time I came without uh, a supervising adult. Similar to the other story, wherein I had no idea where I was... Uh, we tried to walk from Times Square to Turntable Lab, which is on the Lower East Side, 
took forever, and we were totally lost. Is that place still even around? Yes. Same I... location, even, I think. It must be, like, one of the only, like, places that you can actually get DJ gear still. I mean, it was, it's still around anyway. That isn't... I'm making a face that's doubting the, the, the sentence that you're saying. And I am that's not kind of making like, a face because hmm. you're probably it's, right. I, mean, it's probably I don't know. Sto- it's probably one of the few stores that still specializes in exclusively DJ yes. gear. Yes. But I'm sure there are other brick-and-mortar locations you can go to in within the five boroughs to play with some turntables. As we talked about during the episode with Liz, I gotta say that the experience I had at Fat Beats was pretty magical, and then the place sadly closed down, so it's just hard-pressed to find a lot of hip-hop vinyl DJ yeah, stores that don't even exist in the city anymore. Fat Beats and Turntable Lab existed together in that era, but I think the reason turntable lab outlasted was because they sell the equipment and fat beats was focused almost solely on the music right i mean they did sell some gear but not nearly to the same breadth that uh, turntable lab had in their arsenal yeah my first time visiting new york city was kind of blurred in my head because i being from upstate new york and my parents being from the city themselves the outer boroughs Going to the city actually happened a lot. In fact, I can almost recall no Thanksgiving or Passover when I wasn't in the car driving to Brooklyn, driving from Long Island to Brooklyn to drop off uh, one of my mom's uh, um, family members, be it her parents or my aunt. Uh, The fact that I was going to Brooklyn these years, I barely remember. Um, I did unchaperone go to the city I guess it was sort of a chaperone situation, but I did a show at the New York Fringe Festival when I was a junior in high school and went with like a group of kids. And we had, obviously, adult chaperones, and we both, you know, it was very much unsupervised as they would have liked to have thought. Because, you know, we're in high school, you know, we're doing our own thing. We have to, you know, report back to a certain point to our hotel, or at least the majority of the kids did, because... Uh, said Long Island experience. I was actually staying out there with my aunt. Uh, the first time I went to New York City, though, I would say is I actually traveled from said neighborhood in Long Island, in uh, Rockville Center specifically, with my cousin Kenny to the city. Traveled by the LIRR and took the subway from there. And there's an entire clip. I recorded the entire trip uh, and edited it down for posterity and for uh, listenability. We're going to take a listen to it in a few different parts. So uh, let's take a listen now to the first clip. This is the winter of 1994, and I was 11 years old. Zero, now we're on the train to go to New York. And Kenny, Kenny, you've been on a train before, right? Yes, he has nothing to worry. Oh, well, we're moving now. We're moving. Here comes the zone. Uh-oh. 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 No, we're moving. Moving. Keep on moving. What? Oh. Yeah. All right, um, we're going to turn this off right now. He started, then we'll turn back on again. Okay, bye. Look at this, Rockville Center. It's a nice town, but well, there's beyond those store windows and those tree tops and those suburban hounds, which may look behind them. But 
the car dealers themselves, and all the states in the world, and all the repair shops, and the bakeries, the food stores. It only looks one thing, a beer of zone, the dancing zone. They only think it's really scary. <laughs> so we just stopped. This is like a keep on moving. That's the thing. It's my recorder. That's the Danzig Zone, the famous Danzig Zone to all the people in the world. <laughs> oh, actually, I don't know about that. Maybe people like the family or something. Eh. I don't know if you heard that, but that was the Ticketmaster. <laughs> the conductor. That's right. But it's also could have been also. That's another name for Ticketmaster? The conductor. Oh, this is going to be funny. Kenny, I have a knock-knock joke for you. Kenny, Kenny, I have a knock-knock joke for you. Alright, knock-knock. OJ, you're on the jury. <laughs> I love that one. The best one. Alright, and I guess I'll just see ya. Uh, bye. To the train. This isn't your regular bus ride. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seems like we are stopping. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Nothing's really happening. <laughs> stopping. If I fail, I'd be dead. That's right. I mean, if I fail, roll, fail and then I roll, and then fail, I'd be dead. That's right. Okay, I'll be unconscious and I have to go to the hospital, but I would be dead. And there's your story on how high I am from the train. It seems like everyone's getting off to go. Whatever, 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 whatever. Are we going? No, I, was, I, I didn't think so. Alright, um... It's pretty cool being on a train, even though I have been on one before. Well, a lot of times. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot of times. Alright. Um. Alright, I'll see you. Bye. Did you hear that? We are now moving. Yee! Here comes the whole. Cool. Alright, we'll see you. Bye. <sighs> this is going end. Um, we're a little tired. Cause it's a long way to New York City. That's right. Take your ticket. Thank you. Um, <coughs> all right. Now we're going to turn this off. Well, it's cause we're a little tired. See ya. Bye. Say something. Oh, I know. You do. Oh, sweet mama. That has got the leaf hella blues. Oh. <laughs> There's something. I'm gonna come here, mom. I love the family.
undercover Elon for now. Okay, so just to put that clip in context real quick, you were 11-year-old you was traveling on the Long Island Railroad with your cousin into Manhattan for a school function trip thing. Uh, my cousin Steven, his brother, his older brother, was in the city at that time. I believe the nature of him being there at that time was that he was uh, finishing up college. Uh, my cousins, uh, my mother's uh, nephews are much older than I am. Um, my aunt's kids were, like, you know, born in the 70s, so early were, 70s. were you just tagging along with your cousins then? Uh, I was, yeah, I was meeting, yeah, actually, and yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I'm almost certain that he was, if not gra- if graduated college, he was probably in grad school or something at that time, uh, but his younger brother, the cousin I was with, was younger, and I think either st- in school, like, but it was a holiday, so he was back home and visiting Kenny because they didn't go to... Kenny and Stephen were just within uh, enough years that they could have been going to school at the same time. I think, in fact, they were, but they... One of them was younger, the other one was older, so the other one was like already like on another point in time. Okay. That's... So we were just rendezvousing family, whatever. Okay, so you were just going to the city. That, that, was, that was my question. I didn't... Um, was... Why were you traveling into into Manhattan? Yeah, I don't remember what the nature was. I think we were meeting at a museum, and later on, I think that makes itself known. Okay, we get to it. I think because why not? I why that's that's fair too. Yeah. Just trying to put it in context. Well, and like, how do you remember? Do you have any idea? Um, you said you were basically recorded the whole thing. So when you were yeah. listening to the original clip, how long was this train ride? Is this like? Well, we have to forty-five minutes, an hour and a half. Yeah, I mean, you have to remember that. I don't think I was recording it all the way through. There's only like a 45 minute time that you have on one side. I'm pretty sure I spent the majority of one side of this tape called Here Comes the Zone, thus the Here Comes the Zone. I named the tape Here Comes mm-hmm. the Zone. And <laughs> I guess it kind of, when I was uh, taking this trip to the city, I figured why not record as much as I could and obviously there was a lot of stopping and starting like a train does and like the recorder does and I figured just pressing record during cool moments I would give a report a live report as I went along and then final question how wh- what did your cousins think of the tapes didn't you ask one of them something at one point I didn't quite understand what he said and did they think you were like the weird little kid with the tape recorder or did they think it was funny I think they just thought it was funny they, they, they're like oh is that your danziger zone that was like I think what Kenny was saying in there to a point where I think he was just like oh that's cute um but I did bring it up at Thanksgiving that I was when I started doing the podcast and that I had them on tape and to this day actually I still need to do them justice and share with them the actual clips I doubt they'll care about most of what this is they have their families and their jobs and kids now but listening to, like, early 20s Goldstein, I'm sure they would probably appreciate what they sound like. Doug? That, that's like early Dylan, man. Yeah, man. Early 20s Goldstein. Old Susanna. I forget what he was singing, but he was singing some Grateful Dead. Actually, and that's interesting because my cousins were really very into the whole college rock thing. I recall the, that's where I first started seeing my first Calvin and Hobbes shirts, like the fraternity t-shirts mm-hmm. that had some kind of Calvin and Hobbes uh, illustration. I guess it was a thing. Uh, no, it's still a thing. And then like the Grateful Dead t-shirts I remember seeing. They had the, they were in the frats at Cornell University in Ithaca. I went to Ithaca College with Doug and Cornell. Wait, hold on. You, you, one cousin went to Cornell and the other went to Ithaca? 
Nah, both of those dudes went to Cornell. Okay, so it's like, I have, that would have been an interesting... I have three cousins uh, from that, that family, and the girl uh, went to school locally. The two boys uh, went to Cornell. I was just going to say, that would have been an interesting sibling rivalry to have one, one at Cornell and one at Ithaca. Yeah. No, they, they uh, it was a legacy. I mean, their dad went to Cornell. There's like a whole side of my family that are all Cornell University educated, and there I was, the Ithaca College uh, educated... Um, uh, you runt. You're yeah. right, total black sheep of the family. <laughs> oh, go on. And for anybody out there in uh, sci- in listener space, cyberspace, radio waves, I don't know. Anyone listening. Anyone listening uh, who doesn't know, Ithaca College and Cornell University are both in Ithaca, New York. They are both in Ithaca, New York. Yes, yes. they are both in, in Ithaca on opposing hills. Yeah. Yes, the South Hill and the East Hill? The West Hill. And there's a crevasse in between. Yes. Correct. So they went to Cornell, and I remember every time I'd go to a holiday function at said Goldstein residence in Rockville Center, uh, they had the Grateful Dead t-shirts, they had the um, dirty sports caps, the uh, Calvin and Hobbes fraternity uh, t-shirts. I don't know, like, I didn't really know who Bob Dylan or Grateful Dead were at that time, because as I might have mentioned, I didn't really grow up with a lot of classic rock music in the household, so... I just remember seeing like the skull with the the red and the blue lightning bolt, and that was or whatever it was, and that was I always synonymize that with college man, Grateful Dead, college man. You're not the only one. Ticketmaster is a better name for the guy that takes your ticket on the train. Yeah, I like how I said the Ticketmaster. I kind of want to call this episode Ticketmaster, but I don't think it'll make sense. As a, it won't be funny as a show title name without the context. We'll be sued by Ticketmaster, and then we'll have to pull an Eddie Vedder and have to go our own way. We'll call it Ticket, comma, Master, <laughs> or something like that. Here comes ticket. the Ticket... Here comes the Ticketmaster. Here comes the Ticketmaster! Um, yeah, I mean, I just... I didn't have uh, a clue what I was doing, clearly, and saying. Not much different than I am now. I think it's kind of cool the sounds that we were hearing there too, because that's like some indicative, something indicative of old school trains. I guess some now li- some literal bells and whistles there. Well, now you just have a sort of uh, automated computer sound, and you know you, you hear the computer sound. This is the train to New York City, Penn Station, or and the next stop is. But that was like the actual guy speaking over the intercom, and then the very old school nineties there, which I cool. Well, I still use the intercom, at least on Amtrak. I haven't ridden the LIRR um, ever, actually, so I don't know what their automated thing is, and I know it's a little bit different because it's a commuter railroad as opposed to, like, long-distance train travel. Yeah. Um, I always synonymize the BART in the Bay Area as kind of like the equivalent of the LIRR because it services areas outside of the main drag of San Francisco. I'm generally familiar with Barton, how that works. Um, and I've ridden Metro North. Like, I know how... I've been on commuter rail. I just have yeah. never actually gone out to Long Island. As I was saying before, on Amtrak, which I ride regularly back to see my parents, there's still a dude that comes around and punches your ticket and sticks the little thing yeah. above your chair to show that you paid. Some traditions and, are hard to kill. And they and, get on... And he gets mad if you move seats. Well, Yes. Never move your seat. And they, got, they have the guy on the intercom that is sometimes horribly unintelligible, and just when you think, okay, maybe it's a shitty intercom, then it's crystal clear. <laughs> Which also happens to me on the subway. Every now and then, like, I'll hear somebody on the 7 train, and it'll be, like, every single syllable will be perfectly clear and understandable. And 
I don't know how they do it. It's like that episode of Broad City where every single stereotype of from the the train is all when like they're the, the season two opener, right? Where they're like, yeah, it's like just, the seven, it's like nine layers of hell going walking from one end of the subway train to the other. <laughs> and that's a part of it as well. Plus the the sweaty people and the rabbis, of course, because yeah. you can't forget them. And the car that smells like garbage, like the garbage. There's car. only one person in there, and <laughs> and there's a reason why. Uh, there's also that OJ joke in there too, which I thought was kind of cute. I didn't hear the joke. What is it? Knock knock. Who's, who's there? Come o- in. OJ, right? OJ. OJ, who? You're on the jury. Uh, and I, thought, I thought that was the funniest joke. I was like, ah, I know a funny joke, and I can tell my older cousin. <laughs> that's actually pretty clever. That's good. That's that's clever humor for an 11 year old. I'm sure you could probably equate it to other crimes and now, but. At the time, that was... No, you probably couldn't. Everybody knows everything about everybody now. Yeah. You can't get away with it. Moving on? Please. Chugga, 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 I see you on end, um... Uh, it's good. I mean... There's a lady. <laughs> oh, we're until there. Um, this could be boring to you, but... Remember, you can just fast forward. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. It's just, it's very because we haven't really gotten to where we're going yet. The prerogative of where we're going. Like you know, we're not in New York City yet. That's right. Why are we stopping? Oh, hold on a minute. Oh, I don't think I heard that. Let's see, no. Oh, now we're moving in. I don't know why we're stopping there. Maybe some difficulty problem is in the conductor seat. Alright. Alright, now what we're gonna do is. Tomorrow? Yeah. We're gonna leave tomorrow. We're leaving tomorrow night. That's right. Tomorrow night. Again after midnight. No, no, that's what Kenny was doing for a little while. More people are on the thing. We're on the train. <sighs> we should be in New York City very soon. We can even see it from here, right, Kenny? We can see New York City from here, can't we? Oh, now a tunnel. We're in a tunnel. It's pretty cool. And now we're out of the tunnel. Actually, yeah, we're out of the tunnel. Oh. Are we in New York City yet? Oh, whoa. Oh, good. We just gotta go underneath some water. You just did? Nope, right here. Oh, we're gonna go underwater. Oh, cool. Have you ever went underwater, drove underwater before? I don't know if we'll be able to or not, but it could be possible. We'll actually drive over water. That would be really weird, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just um, see it for a moment. Bye. This is uh, the dancing zone. We are actually near New York City. No, I, I can tell. I can just see the twin towers. Too bad you can't. You're just listening to this. Well, I bet you can get the picture in your mind. Those twin towers. In fact, we're practically near. Then we'll get to hear Stephen for the first time. Cousin Stephen. You may have never heard of him, but that's your problem. That's your problem. That's your problem. I need to hear it soon. Um, new house, let me see, you fast PB. Yeah, alright. Alright, now we're going to 
I wonder just how where Steven is. I mean, maybe he's late. Oh well, at least we'll never know. This has been a uh, dance zone. Bye for now. It's dark and stormy. Wow. I can see the light and it's fast. We're going really fast. Whoa. I don't know if I'll be able to contain it. The lights are going dim. And oh no, it's a blackout! Ah! And no, no, I can't hear anything. All I can see is the dim light of the tunnel. You can only see a thing. And oh no, look at this fireball screaming across the walls. And they're, oh no, they're coming after us, but they're missing just by a total inch. Oh boy, this could be dangerous. This could be very dangerous. Yes, it could. Oh boy. Oh my god, oh my god, ah! Oh no, we're not, ah! Oh my god, no! Oh, distorted, distorted, distorted. It's dark. Dark and it's now light. And oh, it's now it's dark. And now it's light. And now it's dark. And now it's light. And now it's oh god, it keeps keeps going and going and going like weird. <laughs> it just keeps going and going and going and going. I liked your moment of Hitchcock like radio drama there where you were worried about fireballs. <laughs> I don't even know if those are the sparks probably from just like the way it was uh Ricocheting off the wall. Yeah, or? I'm, I'm guessing that's like once you go into the tunnel under the East River and then it yeah. cuts into Penn Station. Um, you're just basically cutting across Manhattan. So I'm guessing you're talking about the lights and the, the sparks and the yeah. Because those tunnels are pretty dark, aren't they? Like the, the yeah. underground part. Yeah, and look, I mean, when you're an imaginative kid and you're on a, a train, I guess you know, the whole idea of moving at a sort of an amazing speed like that when you're not used to taking it. I mean, I guess there's definitely a different dynamic when you grow up in uh, an urban dwelling versus when you are from a rural area. And yes, I mean, as I apparently had mentioned at the very top of the uh, the clip, the first part where I was saying that I've taken trains before, I, I highly doubt I really was truly... That was a lie. Uh, yeah, like, I don't think I really truly was taking a train with any sort of conscious understanding of what I was actually on until this moment when I was taking myself. Like I said, you know, to be imaginative, to be like, oh my god, we're going so fast, ah, it's crazy, and trying to, like, emulate how exciting that is on tape. It can only go so far. And I also bet, too, whatever trains you were taking upstate in Woodstock, um... Whatever not, trains those are. <laughs> whatever train travel you might have done... At all. Was, there was not nearly... Not a... There were not all the cool tunnels and... Or, like, aspects of urban train riding, as you were yeah. talking about. Yeah, I'm saying, it's like, I don't think there had even really existed. Look, I mean, to get from Woodstock to the city traditionally is by bus. Now, to this day, if I wanted to visit New York... Ain't nothing cool about a bus. Yeah, well, no, the bus sucks in general. But after some point, uh, it just became too much uh, stress just being stuck in traffic and I gotta say, it, it's pretty pimp and pretty great to take Amtrak and Metro North upstate, although it doesn't take me to Woodstock, per se, but if I needed nothing more than just a convenient way to get from one place to the other and I didn't have the time to go to a neighboring town, then uh, the bus was the last resort. The first time I really remember taking the train, I know I took the train um, a couple times when I was younger, but the first time the memory really stuck was my 7th grade class trip was up to D.C., and we took the train overnight. And it was 
big exciting. And, like, we because got a, you were going overnight. Right, because we took the train overnight. And so we also had, like, we had a whole train car to ourselves because it was a school trip. So that was fun. Like, everybody had their, you got seats and we all reclined and there was lots of gossipy back and forth. And just imagine everybody on the bus for the overnight school bus trip, only in a train car. Same shit going on. Uh, my friends and I, where we were sitting, we were towards the back of the car, right near the door to the next car. You know how on those on Amtrak trains they've got those like sliding metal door compartments between each car. Uh, we were sitting in the back towards that, and I remember like one or two o'clock in the morning. It was we'd been on the train for a while. It was dark outside. It could have been any time. I don't know. In my mind, it was like three a.m. It was so late. <laughs> uh, a couple of the teachers came stumbling back through those clickety clackety sliding metal doors. And one of them had a magazine. She decided the light was entirely too bright. Even with the dimmed late night train car lights going on. And it was just too bright. And so she was going to, she started trying to tape, like she was going to tape a piece of paper over it. Only she tried taping the entire magazine. And so it kept falling down until finally there were like four pages stuck together that she managed to secure over the light right by the doorway. So they were how drunk? (laughs) Very drunk? A little? I was 12. I, they were, this was my what, math. What, what was drunk? My math teacher that was. I hated was visibly intoxicated. That's all I needed to know. Awesome. Uh, and then the next morning, they were none of them were in a particularly good mood. Of that group of three or four teachers that came back from what must have been the bar car. It, yes, was, it were, was not good whiskey. They, they did not they, have good selection. They were very excited to be herding about 120 seventh graders off the train the next morning and over to the Capitol to get our class picture taken. Sure. One of those giant panorama school trips. Yeah, who wouldn't be excited about that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Doug, did you have a, a first experience with taking the train? I can't remember exactly. We took the metro to D.C. a lot when I was a kid, so I, I feel like that counts. You just kind of grew up train. Yeah, well, I mean, we went... My grandmother would take my sister and I to uh, various D.C. monuments whenever possible. We went to the Smithsonian and the Air and Space Museum a lot. Yeah. And we'd always take the, the Orange Line metro train into D.C. I think one time after we went convince my grandma to go to the Hard Rock Cafe or Planet Hollywood or something, I think I lit a whole book of matches on fire in the train because I was, like, fussing with them. Um, how'd that end? How'd that end? Uh, fine. I, like, sh- I, like, shook it really fast and it managed to put it out because it was, I don't know, enough air or whatever, but... It was bad. It could have been really bad, but it got lucky and it went out. Well, I think uh, public transportation is a little bit different from the railroad, which I think is a perfect segue. Keep in mind, though, I'm not sure if I'm going to be doing it in in this third clip, but I've managed to so far sing two songs. The first clip, I think I was singing Higher Ground by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Keep on moving. And then the second clip uh, we heard before... I could have sworn I heard me singing Rocking After Midnight, but it's really like, or Rolling After Midnight. It was really Living After Midnight by Judas Priest. So I thought that was interesting because I don't know how I would have ever known that song, but I probably just, it was in my head. You picked it up somewhere. Just picked it up somewhere. Let's see how, where this picks up. Listen to this beep. I think I know what we're doing, Kenny. 
I'll show you. I, I know, I know. Right there, I'll show you. But now, I don't think I see a train. I'll put this away for now because it's a very dangerous place to have a recorder. Alright, see ya, bye. Look at this! Rats! Rats! Big rats! Big rats! Whew! Those were pretty big rats, I suppose. <laughs> Alright, um. We will, um, I think, I guess. Did you hear that? That was weird, also, wasn't it? <laughs> Alright, uh, we'll check this out for a moment. Undercover Elon. We have more time. See ya. Bye. Oh, it's not too public. Well, people are getting off. That's right. And what much we're getting on. <laughs> That's the thing. And wow. Look at all these people. And this is just unbelievable. That's right. Um, I think I'm about. I'm just going. Whoa! Look how. Go away. That is big. Yes. Now I don't think you can really hear us right now. Let's go say something. Big rats live here. Uh, <laughs> Come here, Elon. Mr. E, what's up, buddy? I'm doing good. We're here outside. We just got outside. We all we edited this, so when we turn this off, you'll get to hear you know, probably the museum. So I'll turn this off. See you. I'll just say goodbye. All right. See you later.
All right. We'll catch up with you later, buddy. All right, bye. So to clarify, just in that last portion, um, the tape, as I had mentioned before, had run out, and so to allow there to be at least some closure, I edited it back so that I could at least get Steven in, because the tape, incidentally, that side was about to end. Sure. What songs did you sing in there? I heard Highway to Hell, Yeah. And what was the other one? Well, it was a repeat of what Kenny was singing in the, I guess, the first clip, uh, and it's Oh Sweet Mama, I think, by the Grateful Dead. Okay. Oh I'll Sweet take, Mama, I'll Daddy's take your word got for that. Boom, bass, blues, or something like that. I don't know. I've, I've, I don't know any Grateful Dead songs except for Touch of Grey. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> we're on the same boat on that one. Yeah. Uh, one question for you since you took the subway. First, what were your 11 year old impressions of Penn Station? Was it just as awful and shitty when you were 11, or was it kind of like magical and New York and urban and gritty because she like i think i was overwhelmed to be honest with you and no, no different than now how i take on my nervous energy i just talk <laughs> like whoa okay yeah, you're, you're sort of talking at one point about being careful with the tape recorder because it's dangerous and you don't want people to see it that was so funny and oh, all the God. subway rats like granted this was this was 20 years ago so new york was Big not rats live here as kenny was saying i it, it was not necessarily the bad old days anymore but new york was definitely not as warm and fuzzy as it is now the experience with taking a train like commuter rail like LIRR and taking the subway, it's night and day. So when um, you're 11 years old, and I think that this actually, to be fair, was the first time I'd ever taken the subway. So not necessarily to retract, but to further clarify, uh, taking trains, whatever. But I think that this was, in fact, the very first time I'd ever been on, on a New York City subway train. And it was recorded. And so the posterity uh, notwithstanding... The fact that I was on this for the first time and dealing with something completely different than any other uh, rail experience I'd ever had was very poignant that I would, was young enough to have, it, have, have that, had that experience, rather. Do um, you happen to remember if you used subway tokens or if the metro card had been introduced yet? It sounded like I was using it was a metro card. I knew that they were using... This was, this was right around the time they were starting. Yeah. The metro card was starting... They were rolling still, it out. Yeah, because they were still using tokens, from my understanding. The car, it sounded like it was a card, but I could be wrong. And there was a faint sound of a ee, like, you know, when you swipe the, the card. I heard that go off, but I didn't hear any metal clank, so I assumed it was a card. Yeah, I just didn't know if you maybe had a, a memory of um, if they were getting to actually drop the token into the, make the click noise. I don't remember that for sure. I, I think what had happened was I was just sort of rolling with whatever Kenny had uh, yeah. planned. So it, it would appear as if we had been meeting, planning to meet Stephen at the Museum of Natural History. Where did I, I was trying to figure out where you guys were going? That's on what eighty first and in Central Park West. Right. So what probably happened was we took the LIRR into Penn Station. Yeah, that's a straight shot. And then we honestly. rocked the sea uptown to eighty first Street. And so my first subway car experience was the C train. Probably the same cars that are still on the C train. Exactly. The C train looks exactly the same. Doctor Zizemore ads and all. Yep. Probably. I thought it was Doctor Zizemore. Zizemore. I. I don't actually know. Doctor Tom Sizemore. <laughs> that was probably the worst train I could ever think of riding in the, when I first started living in New York. I mean, that was just—it's old. It's clanky. It's. It's decrepit. I'm sorry. I mean, the sea trade's pretty pretty gully and gangster. Who are, who are you apologizing to? People who probably have to take it. People all the who time. ride the sea train <laughs> probably have to. 
They, they don't care. They don't care They about know it. how bad the C-Train is. Yeah. I like how I was saying how dangerous it was to bring the recorder on uh, to elaborate on that just because I can't imagine any one point in time where anybody would have wanted to steal my tape recorder, an 11-year-old's tape recorder on a subway. Right. Maybe those, like, old ladies and prostitutes in the park, a la Home Alone. Yeah. I say, people still got mugged on the train in the 90s. Oh, no, for sure. But, I mean... Probably not for tape recorder, but you at least had some reason to be concerned. I think it's really funny now when you see Midwestern tourists in New York who are so concerned about not getting pickpocketed or, like, not getting mugged or going to a bad neighborhood. Yeah, I'm probably the only weirdo who can just, without any hesitation, bring a Walkman or a tape player to listen to tapes in preparation for a Lost in Rowan recording session on the train. And people will look at me and be like, where are you from? <laughs> what what world did you step out of? Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> are you are you homeless? I, I feel like you're the only non-homeless person on the subway listening to a cassette player on a I feel like basis. I'm the only one unironically listening to a tape player in some respects because I'm an audiophile by and large. And it began on the C train in 1994. No, um, and then I called it the bullet train because, of course, any train that's going at that speed, of course, has to be considered a fast train. Uh, maybe a transfer to the A. Who knows? I don't remember. I don't know. That's funny to, to think of um, in the context now, knowing the subway the way we do, to think of the C train as being a bullet train. <laughs> or thinking the subway to, to be as fast as it is, and no matter what the case is. I, I don't know. Like, the concept of speed, it's tough to say because when you're on any mass transit, you just, I think, are overwhelmed by all the sights and the sounds, and the fact is, is that it's so loud that I think the whole experience of riding the subway for the first time, it is the speed, it is the grit, it is the the noise. And so I remember moving to New York City 10 years ago. Uh, it is almost my 10-year New York anniversary, and it's kind of special listening to this tape just because there's a lot of relevance to hearing just like my, how my first experience was, and now 10 years later, how... Uh, since moving to New York, or even now, 20 years later, since this tape was recorded, and just thinking to myself, my God, like, my impressions of the city have changed tenfold, and clearly my naivete has not. I was going to say, it seems pretty similar. Exactly. (laughs) Reoccurring theme on the show, Alon is still the same person 20 years later. Yeah, like that Steve Winwood song, right? Valerie, come on. Oh, he's the one who said, I... Come and see not the same boy I used to be. Anyway, that's it. Still singing into recorders. Still singing. Alon Danziger. <laughs> this we'll, is Lost and Rewound. We'll be back in a little bit. Do you have a Danziger zone of your very own gathering dust in your parents' basement? Well, we'd love to hear your archived audio, no matter how old it is. Email your contributions to lostandrewound at gmail.com. It, it, it does happen. I, I do think it's pretty amazing how we are able to listen to something like that. You know, everything that we've talked about on the show up to this point, and even after this point, will be revolving around the concept of time capsules. And that right there is one hell of a time capsule. Yeah, I think it was. And I guess at this point, we should 
address the fact that we are um, Douglas. It, Douglas, yes. That we are Did less. We are less of Doug. <laughs> we are Doug less, um, not less. Yes. With an e, ha ha. It's a joke. Um, Doug's a busy guy, and you know, for all who have been paying attention and have been uh, supporting us since the beginning, you you guys will know that Doug has been had amount and completely integral to the process of lost and rewounds actually becoming somewhat of a, a listenable podcast and it is up to me it's up to melissa it's up to you to keep it going and we will keep going because yeah. i know that he would want that yeah and doug had to step back because he's got some other stuff going on in his life and i may be popping in and out on a couple of episodes i may not be as regular in the immediate future just because it's my turn to get married and find a new job and get my adult life in order yeah and so we appreciate everything that doug has put into the show completely understand where he is and what he's got going on right now hopefully it's not the last we've heard of him on the show no i mean he will he'll be he will be back it's it's very simple jimmy left he did not leave a a note doug definitely left a note you left a note (laughs) so Speaking of which, though, since we're on the topic of train travel and since we're uh, of some kind of a variety of uh, looking back, I think it made sense to share a little bit of uh, an old conversation that you and I had with Jimmy on the train leaving a session one night in, oh, I don't know, April of... 2003 of 2013 rather i'm trying to remember because it was it was during our our first run for what we have since decided to call season one yes and we were recording at doug's house then the three of us left doug's place um i think this was on a friday night and we were all going we were going to brooklyn we were all going back to park slope for karaoke probably yeah and i for some reason felt inclined to record our conversation yeah, with w- my phone because I cheated, but whatever. We, did, we hey. didn't have a cassette player handy, and we wanted to do an experiment. That was our. It was actually our first attempt at some field recording. Yeah, and you're right. It was probably April. It was. I remember that none of us were wearing jackets, or nobody had a heavy jacket. I don't know why you would remember that, but I'll take your word for it. Because Jimmy is a tall, skinny guy who always wore like the same three white t-shirts. Sure. I just remember his lanky frame yeah. and t-shirt standing there on the train. I think it'll make a little more sense, and some light will be shed as to when exactly. This was recorded, and I'm pretty sure it was April if I looked at the date of the file correctly, but uh, just due to the conversation that we're having, uh, for full disclosure, we are only shit-talking about actors, and... This this really is sort of a fly-on-the-wall recording of us just bullshitting on an hour-long subway ride. Right, well, it's not an hour-long, thankfully. Yeah, well, we were going from... Upper East Side to Park Slope. It's actually, it's actually a full 27 minutes, but we're not going to play the whole thing. Yeah. I don't know why I had the phone recording for that long, <laughs> but uh, luckily for everybody who's listening, there is at least a portion of it that is about, I guess about maybe five minutes long, that has some semblance of listenability where it doesn't veer off into some ridiculous sports or Brooklyn-related tangent as Jimmy was wont to do. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the clip that you've picked out that we're going to, you can hear everybody the best and it's the most cohesive, the us for half an hour, 45 minutes on the subway, the conversation definitely gets rambly towards the end and also just the noise of the subway. That's at least one thing that's consistent 20 years later on another subway recording is the background noise of beeping and dinging doors and bumping on tracks and the oh yeah the whoosh. Nothing, nothing changed between 1995 or not, 1994 rather and uh, 2013 in this case. Like, 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 what's the equivalent in man 
Keith wearing a sequin dress. Dipset. You know, like, I was just thinking about this the other day. It got me really pissed off. Like, my style is, like, the exact same style I had when I was a kid. It's just, like, baggy half hood. But now, like, Justin fucking Bieber started dressing like this. Justin Bieber's in the process of, like, going up the rails. You can see the meltdown coming if you're, like... So, like, he's trying to get all swaggy with his fucking fitted caps with, like, spikes in him and shit like that. Like, forgetting the part where he's Canadian. I just wonder, because, you know, they have a wax figure of him at Matthew um, Sows. Like, what happens in, like, three years when he looks fucking completely different? And when he gets, when he starts doing all the heroin in his face, yeah, like, he, like, lose definition. Yeah, as much as he tries to pretend he's not, he's totally a stoner. I mean, like, seriously, at least Oprah, Morgan Freeman, Tom Cruise, like, they never age. Justin Bieber, he's going to have to work very hard. Think about Lindsay Lohan. This chick, you know... She was totally yeah. goody two shoes. Pretty girl. I like remember mean, girl. mean girls. Yeah. Now she is a crack She But so messed up. But it could be worse. Amanda Bynes is having a little bit It could be Amanda Bynes. What is Amanda Bynes? What is the deal with her? Don't even worry She's about it. She's having like a, a mid 2000s Britney Spears bald head phase, like oh, purple breakdown. She's I've heard about her. She, I mean, I, I, She's got DUI. She's got weird facial piercings. The only reason why I know anything money. about Amanda Bynes is the because. That indicates code problems. I get, to, I get a chance to watch the suit, and the suit pretty much chronicles the downfall of Amanda Bynes. Not like he really was high to begin with, but it's, it's she pretty low. Recently too, the well, she, she was on all of that, right? She, and then she had a spin-off, The Amanda Show. Like she, and she uh, I did watch The Amanda Show before. She, and then she did a couple of movies. Like she had potential to be really funny and interesting. It's that she was on that cusp of child star trying to take it to the next yeah, level. She, yeah, she never did. And she just kind of went like... Well, well the person that's really surprising... Yeah, the person that's really surprising to me that became so successful is Shia LaBeouf. I watched even Stevens' kid, that TV show on the Disney Channel. No, I remember. With him I and his sister. And he was a little kid. He was like 11. He yeah. was really funny on that show. I used to really like him. Fun fact now, of Disney shows, um, the older sister of Steven Stevens, Lauren, she also did the voice of Kim Possible. Oh. Uh, who plays the voice of Ron Stoppable? I don't know who is Ron Stoppable. I just know she was saying that, like... That was her other thing. I think maybe she's gone more. I have no idea, but I would assume she's gone more into voice work now. Than... Anyway, I found out that the, I think I want to say it's the woman from Mad TV does the voice of Lois on Family Guy. Yeah. yeah. That kind of like was a mind blow. But more so than that, when I found out that um, oh, what is that lady's name from that '70s show? Oh, Mil- Mila Kunis. Oh, Mila Kunis. Yeah. She did the voice of uh, the daughter. Of Family Guy. Except for the first season, if you go back and watch the really early episodes of it's Family Guy. Somebody else. There's somebody else who does the voice of Bank. Mila Kunis was a like I think it was after. Season one or season two. So they brought me like. It was really, really early. It was really, yeah. It was before she'd gotten her, her big success. Her big yeah, like, she, that 70s show was just starting. It wasn't a. Well, I mean, the thing is that she's she's the biggest of that show from that show now. Yeah. But that show, I mean, Topher Grace is huge. Ashton Kutcher, he's more of a personality. He's not like. He did a lot of movies, though. Yeah, he did a lot of stuff, and then he just kind of became Ashton. He became kind of like, oh, it's just Ashton Kutcher. He tried having a movie career. It didn't really take off at first, and now he's playing Steve Jobs. Um, Steve Jobs in the movie? You didn't know that? Oh, I had not heard about this one. Well, he's playing Steve Jobs in the movie that he biopic that's going out. Ashton Kutcher? Yes, dude. Yes. I, I, I get this making sense. Every now and then I just get this making suspicion about Ashton uh, completely unfounded, but making suspicion that Ashton Kutcher might be like Jim Carrey, that when you cast him against type, he might secretly be a good actor. No. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about it is, 
like, like casting Ashton Kutcher as, um, who's the guy's name again? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. That's like casting Brad Pitt as Bill Gates. Or like Bill Gates. That's like casting. I gotta say, I'm kind of impressed with how things have actually kind of changed in the public eye. Not like I really care that much about celebrity gossip, but when's the last time anybody has talked about Amanda Bynes or Lindsay Lohan? No, I know. I think when we were recording this, it I mentioned it. It was right in the middle, like the height of the Amanda Bynes social media meltdown. Like she yeah. wrote, a, I can't remember if it was like Twitter or Instagram or something like that like that where she basically like wrote this love letter to drake via social media i don't think she went full on head shaving but she had like duis and had to have a court-ordered custodian uh-huh. and, but yeah i don't know what happened to her or she and Lindsay lohan have dropped off the face of the earth britney speaking of celebrity meltdowns britney spears i think has gotten her life back together and is now doing that whole vegas thing mm-hmm. she's got she has a show out there like celine dion and the rest of them the other one that stuck out to me is we were talking about that 70s show in mila kunis and how yeah. Two years ago, she was the most famous or memorable one from the show. And now, I think that honor would go to Laura Pepperon after Orange is the New Black. I think everybody from that 70s show, for what it's worth, has done a lot of great stuff. I don't even know what was going on in my head talking shit about Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher uh, is... He hasn't acted in anything recently. Like he's When this clip was made, I don't know if Ashton Kutcher had broken up with Demi Moore yet. But uh, now he's the father of Vila Kunis's kid, and now he's talking all about space travel. One thing that we can all agree on now that this Jobs movie has came I was, and I was, went. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was, tanked. I don't really. I remember the Steve Jobs move happening, movie coming out. I don't remember if Ashton Kutcher was actually in it or not. Of course he was. And now but they're making a second one, though. They're trying again. They're just saying, pretending the first biopic didn't happen. Uh, yeah. It's kind of weird. Well, Holl- Michael Fassbender's playing him now. I don't get it. Like I'm, I'm kind. I'm honestly very impressed with one Steve Jobs movie could not pass, and we. Ha- it's like the Spider-Man movie, or like no, the Superman. Even better yeah. example, the Superman movie that came out. That original one with like Kevin Spacey is Lex Luthor, and nah, nah that's not going to do it. I think it was Brian Singer who directed it, and it, it tanked it. But then Was it the more recent one before the Superman versus Batman, like the one that came out? Right? Man of Steel was the, oh, let's try this again. <laughs> yes, Man of Steel. So, the Michael Fassbender Steve Jobs versus the Ashton Kutcher Steve Jobs. I, I'm, I haven't seen the Jobs movie, so maybe I'm just... I didn't see it either. Talking shit, but I don't know. I didn't see it, but my inclination is the Steve Jobs story doesn't necessarily make for a great film. Like, it's an interesting story. He started Apple, and there's this company that he grew, and then the board, he got kicked out, and they had to bring him back to save it, and then he created the iPhone and changed the world, and blah, blah, blah. Biopics are always hard to begin with, and Steve Jobs was apparently, or was reportedly, an ass, kind of an asshole in real life. So I don't know how you make a compelling film character out of that, like how to make that into an interesting story that people really want to take that ride with. Part of why it was less successful or didn't do as well 
is they were kind of rushing to put it out. Like it was, it was. Right oh yeah, up, it was right after Steve Jobs had died. Yeah, the bio had come out. There was still a lot of sort of cult of Steve Jobs as this technology saint or savior thing yeah. going around. The fact that I had to drop knowledge about that movie to Jimmy because Jimmy was a cinema major <laughs> in college. Wait, 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 drop knowledge about what? The Steve Jobs movie? <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying, like, did you hear this movie's coming out? What? Well, I didn't hear be- about that. Well, just because... I don't mean to harp on that. I just no, I mean, amusing. just because he was, a, he was a film major doesn't necessarily mean he's paying attention to all the... Uh, Jimmy's the kind of guy that would walk past the same sign every day and never look at it. Ads for new movies in the subway go in one ear and out the other. Past alum Jimmy Hoffman, wherever he is, we wish him well. Past alum Doug Johnson, if you have any uh, inclination to listen to some of the more memorable moments that we've had on the show that he was directly involved with, you know, just like these hilarious little tidbits, there is an entire reel that I created on SoundCloud that you can check out. I don't know. I mean, I think it's uh, fitting that we should be having sort of a, an episode involving travel and transit speaks volumes that we are as a show in transit and continuing but just letting off a few different passengers i guess <laughs> we're trying we're, we're trying that's, to make the that's tra- so lame alon what the shit stop, is your problem stop forcing the train metaphor stop forcing things passage of time is a common theme on the show and i think that even just flashing back to 2013 it was it was interesting to hear just think about what has changed since then and let alone since a lot let alone since a lot of our source material yeah but change is constant and time passes and jimmy's been gone for a while doug stepped back for a while i'm gonna be popping in and out ryan will probably be back at some juncture when he's not uh super busy as well i kind of feel like it just sort of speaks volumes as well to how i have uh really mirrored my uh, past self because the Danziger zone at some juncture was actually with more people and then it just became myself <laughs> and that's I, I you know look at the end of the day this is my baby I'm gonna keep on rolling with it and uh, everyone's invited to come along for the ride and if anybody else in the New York area feel is an audiophile or a tape head and wants to get involved hell yeah um, Alana's definitely auditioning new co-hosts am I I, I was at the right person- I'm a terrible auditioner I don't know if you're actually doing the auditions, but there is an there is an extra mic at the table. There's a few extra mics, I, although I think one of them needs to be fixed right now. Yeah. I uh, swear I, I have enough stuff, though, to actually create a show. I do. I swear. <laughs> Which is also a good segue into send us your stuff. <laughs> Please send us your stuff. Please. And a, uh, where you can find us on the internet, lostandrewound.com. Uh-huh. Shoot us an email, lostandrewound at gmail. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr. Yup. And I think that's it. That's it. Thank you guys for listening for this go around. And we will check in with you next time with another hopefully professionally sounding episode of Lost and Rewound. Thanks for hanging out, kids. Lost and Rewound is hosted and produced by Alon Danziger, Doug Johnson, and Melissa Lloyd. You can find us online at lostandrewound.com. Ladies and gentlemen, pause. (laughs) Doug just put a lacrosse ball in the water glass.